All right. How's everybody doing at New Life Church today? Doing well? Good deal. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors. And it is my privilege to welcome in person one of our brand new Kingdom Builder partners for 2021, Edward King. Would you give it up for Edward King with Youth for Christ? Right on. Well, Kingdom Builders is New Life's initiative of radical generosity to invest in God's kingdom, to build God's kingdom globally, locally, and then to invest in uh, people who are called to ministry. And so one of our new Kingdom Builder partners with Youth for Christ in Omaha is Edward. So glad that you're here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome to the New Life family. And we're going to talk about your ministry and how Kingdom Builder partners are making an impact. But first of all, tell us about your family. Let us know who they are and what's going on there. All right. uh, I have a wife. Her name is Brittany. We've been together for 10 years, been married seven. So she grew up here in Kearney. She went to Kearney High and the whole thing. So uh, God moved us to do some crazy things as it relates to our family. So we have seven foster kids. So we're fostering to adopt with the intention to adopt. So uh, God is just amazing what he opened your hearts up, heart up to. Uh, my wife has always been open to it. I never have. <laughs> I had a picture of how I wanted my family to be. Yeah. And seven kids wasn't it. <laughs> so uh, I specifically tried to tell God what I wanted. It's like he doesn't listen to me. He does what he wants to do. I'm just along for the ride. So I said I wanted no girls. He gave me five girls, uh, and, but he did give me two boys. I wanted, when we started the Forza to Adopt journey, I said, hey, I want uh, one boy, and that's it. And God had just blown that out the water. So yeah. it's been amazing. But uh, my, my wife, like three years ago, God was pressing on her heart to press me about adoption. I just didn't want nothing to do with it. And uh, she went to bed that night praying. I don't know why I made her that upset, but she went to <laughs> bed praying that night. She said she knew that I would be obedient to whatever God called me to do. Yeah. So it took about three years for God to start moving on my heart. And the word from the Lord to me was, like, why would you deny a kid love because they didn't biologically come from you? And I was like, okay, God, I'll take one kid. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and it's like he's blown that away. So I'm, well, it's, it's a lot of fun, a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. So. Yeah, you know, that's not, not only the ministry that you're doing, but your heart and Brittany's heart for these kids to adopt them. I, it reminds me of what James says in James chapter 1, that the type of religion that God accepts, perfect religion, one of the descriptors is caring for the orphan. And, and you're living that out. So that's another reason why our hearts are connected to you. So Absolutely. you're doing Youth for Christ in Omaha. Just give us a brief snapshot of what you're doing there and how you're advancing God's kingdom. Yes, Youth for Christ is an awesome organization. It's been a lot of fun. I've been there a little over six months now. And Basically, their heart is authentic Christ-sharing relationships. So that's their main thing is for us to have the relationship with uh, young people and uh, for them to hear the gospel from somebody that they know and trust. So they, we do that through three-story, our story, mixed with their story, connected to God's story. So it's like I'm so passionate about kids understanding their need for Christ at an early age. I've seen so much stuff where things go left and go wrong. So my passion is for them to understand their need for Christ early, and I love being a part of Youth for Christ through Bible studies, through small groups, through one-on-one interactions to just share the gospel and show them the importance of a relationship with Christ. So. so it's amazing. And so Kingdom Builders, when you invest and give to Kingdom Builders, you're giving to people that are amazing like, like the kings who are not only doing this in their ministry, but they're living it, literally living out James 1.27 yes. in your family, in your life. And, and mm-hmm. so we, we honor you for that. We want yes. to, you to know that we're in your corner. Appreciate like that. We're, we're praying for you. We're, we're giving so that you can go. 
Absolutely. And we love the heart that you have. So tell us a little bit more. You, you, you have these seven kids, and yeah. <laughs> they've been through some just crazy turmoil yeah. in their life. Mm-hmm. Then you guys step in, right? Yeah. You're now their parents, and you're, uh-huh. you're planning that you're going to adopt them. But then just a few weeks ago, you all together experienced a trauma. Tell us what happened. Yeah, that was a, a very tough day. I'll never forget every detail of that day. I had a meeting uh, early Friday morning, that morning. And it was a week of spring break, and my wife was planning on taking all seven kids by herself to the zoo. I was like, God bless you. <laughs> so that, that was her, her plan for the day. So I had, uh, after I, my meeting, I had a bill to pay at Nebraska Furniture Mart. So I went to Nebraska to pay the bill, and DirecTV was supposed to service my house that day. There were some issues with my DirecTV, so they were supposed to come at uh, 4 o'clock to service it. So they give me a call at 2 o'clock. And he said, well, I'm sorry, sir, I can't service your home today. I'm like, why? I had attitude. <laughs> because I was like, hey, why are you calling me saying you can't service my home? He said, well, I don't know how to tell you this. There's fire trucks outside of your home. So I was like, I'm praying that he's wrong because he's two hours early. <laughs> Maybe he got to the wrong address. So I immediately called my wife to see if everybody is okay. Or, and she said, hey, no, we just left the house like 15, 20 minutes ago. There's nothing going on, so I don't know what he's talking about. So I'm speeding probably <laughs> all the way home praying that they got the wrong house, that they mix it up. And when I get to my house, uh, the fire trucks are blocking the street. I can't even get in my driveway. Yeah. So uh, I get there, and the first guy on the scene, like my kids have been pressuring me for a dog forever. I don't do animals really. <laughs> my wife has always wanted a dog. So I asked him, I said, hey, is the dog okay? After I seen my house just ravaged, I said, hey, is the dog okay? Yeah, the dog's okay. I'm like, okay, I can take a deep breath. And then I get back to my car, and the lead investigator on the scene comes, he said, uh, what do you want us to do about the dog? I said, well, the, I thought the dog was fine. Well, we saw the dog didn't make it. Wow. So it's like processing the house and then the dog passing with the kids, pressuring me for the dog. So just a lot of emotions, negative yeah. emotions to see a house like that. We've been there for five years and our first home and a place of refuge for me and my wife and for the kids also. So yeah. it was a tough time, but as overwhelmed as we've been with grief and sadness with mm. the loss of the home and it being completely destroyed, we're, we're just as overwhelmed with everybody's love and support for us. So it's, uh, yeah. we've been blown away how God has just used people to, to rally around us, to come alongside us. And I feel like that's God's way of showing us, hey, I'm still with you guys. I still approve of you, regardless of the negative experience you're having now. So. Yeah. What a, what a tragedy. And, yeah. But God's been good and faithful through so it. So good. So good. And we, yeah. want, we want to pour, heap even more of God's blessing. Yeah. Um, you know, we know that you're, you're in transition, but there's going to be a day that you, ha- you move back home and yes. practical needs. And here's our desire. We want to overwhelm you so that the, the, your kids' rooms look like Disney. All right? That's I'm what sure we want to do. So I'm going to ask Jordan to come out. We, uh, on behalf of Kingdom Builders, Sense the leading of God's spirit to just bless you, not only in your ministry, but to your family and your kids. And we have a, a check for $5,000 to, Nebraska, so Furniture to Mart. Nebraska Furniture Mart. Come on. <laughs> Kingdom Builders. Really appreciate it. Hey, I, I, we appreciate you so much on behalf of me and my wife and my kids. It's, you're a part of us being blown away at people's love for us during this time. So we appreciate it. Yeah, we, we hope you sense God's just love, his yes. generosity uh, on behalf of God through us to you. 
We love you. Absolutely. We and we're glad you're a part of the New Life Kingdom Builder team. Yes, thank you, guys. Right for on. Us. So thank you, Kingdom Builders. You're making a difference in the lives of people all across the world and through one of our Kingdom Builder partners. Well, we are in week number two of our series, Rescue. Pastor Jeff is in the house today to bring the word. So if this is your first time here, welcome to New Life. Welcome home. We hope you experience God's presence. Everybody, welcome to New Life. Glad you guys are here. I want to say a big hello to everybody at all of our campuses. My name's Jeff. Excited to have you back here. Hey, look, if last week, Easter, was your first week with us, thank you for coming back. We are on week two of our current teaching series called Rescued. And today, we couldn't have had a better example than what we just had in front of us with Edward and Brittany King. These guys are living an amazing story in their life, aren't they? Living an amazing story in their life. Yep. Absolutely. And they're really living the example of where we're going at in today's message. They're, they're living what a life looks like to be rescued for a purpose. That's what I want to talk to you today about. What does it look like to be rescued by God, to be put on mission for God? Rescued for a purpose. And when I look at their life, they're, they're not perfect people, just like none of us are perfect people. But when I look at their life and you hear the briefness of their story, you start to understand a little bit of, uh, of what we know in depth about them. And that is that they're living on purpose vocationally. Working, working with, you know, at-risk students or students that, you know, uh, are in need of just sometimes just like a parent figure, in need of just a leader, somebody that would get in front of them and just say, look, there's a better way to live life. Um, I want to introduce you to Jesus Christ, right? And introducing the young people to Jesus, guys, is revolutionary to the trajectory of our life. Um, they're living on mission there. They're also living on mission with their family. I mean, just think about it. You know, you got seven foster kids in your home, right? Like when you think, when you think of just seven, let's just say seven kids in your home, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Chaos. That's right. That's exactly right. You think, of like, you think of like three kids in your home, sometimes you feel that way. So you think about seven kids, like you're living on mission. If you're living on purpose for God vocationally and with your family, how do you ever get away from that? But you don't because that's 100% of your time right there. So to make that really work, what we know about them and what we, one of the things we love about them is that they are on purpose. They're rescued for a purpose and um, to accomplish that purpose, they recognize that their marriage has to be super healthy. And so working on that, and they focus on their marriage, right? They focus on the calling of God on their life with, you know, just pursuing educational things of, you know, how can I grow in the theology of God, the knowledge of God, and, and in their marriage, working on just spending some time together and getting away and having that time. And it, also in your free time. I recognize in their free time that, man, one of the things they love is, like, watching some movies together. Anybody like movie watchers? All right. How many of you guys like watching movies on, like, 32-inch TVs? No. How many of you guys like watching movies on, like, an 86-incher? All right. 
I mean, because you guys know 75-inch now these days is just too small to even see the people on it anymore. And I know that I know that your you know your large TV you know got maybe damaged and destroyed by the fire, and I'm praying that God gives you a big one, like something with three digits, like 100 something. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, I want to come by and watch some of those. So, um, but yeah, watching that together is part of like being on purpose. Like you you got to recharge. You have to refuel. You got to find the things that cause you to refuel, whether it's even watching a sporting event. And I know that they love doing that together, even as a family, watching the Lakers, right? I don't even know who they are. Who are the Lakers? I'm just messing. It's like some kind of sport with the basketball thing. I don't know. Um, But you guys are a great example for us of the topic today of what it looks like to live all out for Jesus and to live on mission for him, rescued for a purpose. This is what God says about it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. Can someone say masterpiece? Masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. And he, God, right, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things. Say good things, please. Right? He planned that he planned for us long ago. Three significant components in that little scripture. The first one is this that you're a masterpiece, that you're a one-off. Have you thought about the fact that you are a one-off? Like there is no one else like you. In so many different ways, by the way. I mean, can you think about scientifically, like, what are some of the areas of our lives, design pieces of our lives that God uniquely made? that are just for you, that make you the one in the seven billion on this planet. Can you, can you think of what like a few of those are? All right, just think about it right now. I want you to get a few of those things that you know of right now that God gave me that make me a one-off. I'm one in seven billion. So what's the first one you came up with? Did you come up with your face, right? Because your face is a one-off, all right? It's uniquely made by God. It's a masterpiece from God, so you better like it, Right? And, you know, that's unique for you. You have a unique face. And Apple, Apple keyed in on it when they set up their phones where, you know, you can use face recognition, right? And when they did that, then only my face can open my phone. I show, I show my phone to my wife's face, which she's got a beautiful face, right? Won't open my phone. I show my phone to every other person on planet Earth. Won't open my phone. But my face opens my phone. Yeah. So your face is perfectly made by God. You better start liking it, right? What's another one that you can think of? You're probably thinking of like your fingerprints, right? Your fingerprints are unique. They're a one-off. No one else has the same ones. That also means, by the way, your toe prints as well, right? Because if you like thought about the fact that, yeah, maybe my fingerprints are the same, but maybe all of our toe prints are the same, you know? They're just caveman-like. No, you got unique, unique, both, right? Both sets. So there's three things right there. And then your eye, you think about your eye, your iris, right? It's got these unique little slits and marks on it that make it unique just to you. And then deeper into the eye and the retina, man, now you've got another unique spot that is just for you that no one else has an eye like you have. You're one in seven billion people. But let me take you to some other areas that maybe now are off the beaten path. Some things that maybe you didn't know about yourself. Did you know that your tongue is unique and that the signature on your tongue, like almost like the fingerprint, your tongue has a print on it, um, you know, and, and that print is unique to you? Aren't you now thankful that Apple chose to use face recognition? 
instead of tongue recognition, that would have been, that would have been a weird moment around coffee shops. Ah, that'd be bad. All right, teeth. Your teeth are unique to you. You can be identified by your teeth. No one else has a set of teeth like you. So smile and love them. All right? Come on, let me see you smile. All right, in Ogallala, come on, smile. I can see you. Thank you. Um, Okay, how about this one? Like, I want you to do something with me. I want you to take your hand and just feel your ear. Now, on the back side of your ear are all these little, like, knobs and notches and different things like that, right? And you feel around your ear and you're like, ooh, I like that. Um, Don't feel anybody else's ear. That's weird. Just feel your own ear. But when you feel your ear, guess what? You're, You're feeling a unique ear. No one else has an ear like you. All those little unique things that are on your ear are just to you. No one else on planet Earth. You're one in seven billion. Let me give you another one. Your lip print. Your lip print. Right, so here's an exercise I want everybody to do. This afternoon, go home, put on some lipstick. Everybody. <laughs> go up to one of the windows in your house, or uh, if you got a piece of glass, it would be better, and just give it a big smooch. And then stand back and look at that beautiful lip print because it's just yours. No one else has another one like it. In fact, in the, the court of law, they can use your lip print to accuse you of a crime. The problem is we don't have a lot of criminals that are smooching the things they're stealing. So, although they could use it, they could use it, all right? So your lip print is very unique to you. Your voice is unique to you. The tone of your voice, the way your voice carries, has has a lot to do with a lot of different things that are all going on at the same time. Your muscle structure and your neck and the way that your muscles work, right? Your your voice box, your vocal cords, the length of your neck. I mean, oh, there's so many different things. You have a one-off voice, and you know it's true because when you were a kid and your mom yelled for you or your dad yelled for you in a large group, you knew it was their voice, didn't you? Right, you pick it out over all the others. Let me give you another one that you probably maybe have never thought of before, but your gait your gate is unique to you. And you're like, some of you are like, hey, wh- wh- what's a gate right there? Is he talking about a gate? Oh, what's a gate? We got a gate on the farm. Is he talking about a gate on a farm? I'm talking about your gate, like your step. <laughs> the way you step, that gate is unique to you. The way that your muscles work and the way that your foot comes down, my foot comes down and my gate and my step and the way that I, I walk is unique to me. And I'm a one in a seven billion. So are you. And then last but not least, I mean, come on, you guys already knew this one, right? But the the DNA signature, right, inside of you is unique to you. God made you unique in all these different types of ways. So I think that we could clearly then conclude that if God puts all that kind of detail into just you identifying you as his masterpiece, then therefore God has also given each of you a unique purpose to accomplish on this earth. That your life has meaning. You're not an accident. You were created on mission by God as a masterpiece. You are not junk, by the way. And don't believe it. If anyone's told you that, if anyone's beat you down with words, if anyone's beat you down with actions, then shame on them because they're going against the very master who created you as a masterpiece. 
right? And let those words wash off of you, come out of your mind. Let those words be cast out of your very heart, your very memory banks today, because you were created as a masterpiece and you were not created as junk. Now, here's part of the problem though, right? When we look at our lives, what do we see? Do we see the masterpiece all the time? No. We tend to see the inadequacies. We tend to see the imperfections. Our eye tends to go there. We see it in others, and we see it in ourselves. And I think that that's a ploy of the enemy to keep our eyes off of the masterpiece that God created, to keep our eyes off of the unique mission that God put us on this earth to accomplish. But we get our eyes on the inadequacies, right, and, and the imperfections, that we're getting our eyes on the wrong things. Because here's what God sees. Through the grace of God, rescued by grace, when God looks at your life, God still sees the masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, he saw what I did like this past weekend too, right? Yeah. But guess what he still sees? He still sees the masterpiece. Because when you are rescued by God's grace, when you're rescued by God's grace, the imperfections of sin, they start to get washed away. Now, there's a continued work of grace. There's not just a one-time aspect of grace. There's a continued work of grace on our life that requires a continued heart of repentance, by the way. So we don't just repent to God and then go live our lives however we want to. We repent to God and we live a life of repentance. Where being rescued by grace isn't a one-time moment, but it becomes a continual moment in our lives. And because of being rescued by grace, it's, it's like... A kid who scribbles on a wall, right, that's been painted with really nice paint right after you painted it, because that's when they're going to do it. And then you go up to that wall, and because it's the right kind of paint, you can wash it off, right? But just think if you never painted the drywall, and the kid goes up with the marker, and they marker all over the wall, they take the crayon all over the wall. It destroys the wall. If you've ever been face-to-face with drywall before paint was put on it, you'll just destroy it, right? You'll have to fix it. You'll have to mud it. You'll have to do all kinds of stuff to it to get it back to the place where you could even put paint on it. So listen to me. If you never painted the walls, the scribble would never come off. And if you never surrender your life to Jesus, the sin has no way to come off. There is a coating of grace that comes from being rescued through the, through the cross of Jesus Christ, that coats our lives, that allows for grace to keep scrubbing off the sin and the sin nature of our lives. But God's doing that for a reason. And it goes back to the, our key scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And what's the reason why God wants to rescue us by his grace? It's so that through Jesus, we can do good things, that he planned for us long ago. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you and me could live however we want to. That's abusing grace. Right? He died on the cross so that we could live how he wanted us to. We could live out his plan. And what was his plan? Listen to me. Listen. Listen carefully. Because we get this idea that you know, God's going to, like, his plan for me is grandiose and it's big and he's going to spell it all out in detail and he's going to email it to me 
all right, or he's going to send it to me on Facebook Messenger. He's going to give it, to, it's going to be the bullet points. I'm going to know exactly what to do. And I want to tell you today that, that here's the truth, right? That God's perfect plan for you is to uniquely do good things. But, which, by the way, he designed for just you to do long before you ever showed up on this earth. What are the good things, though? The good things kind of really boil down to two critical factors. One, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Two, loving your neighbor as yourself. It's, you're going to find that the good things God wants us to do are in those two categories. And first and foremost, it's, God, how can, how can good things be done to glorify you? That means, like, how can I change my morality to line up with your word? That would be a good thing that, that glorifies God. How, how can I let my character be changed so that it glorifies you? How can I obey you that brings glory to you? It, it's about doing good things that elevates God, that glorifies God, that goes on mission just to love Jesus. Out of that now naturally can flow good things for one another. And there's a lot we can do towards one another that are good. There's tons of good things. This, I mean, the, the list is endless when it comes to loving your neighbor. I mean, there's no, I can't even start to get into it. But here's what's amazing, that God designed the meaning of your life long before you ever even arrived on the scene. And we're all sitting here today, you know, on April the 11th of, two, of 2021, we're sitting here today, we've been on this earth, some of us have been on this earth for 51 years, 41, 21, okay, 17 years, whoever you are, 60, 70, 80 years, we're all sitting here and we know the past of our lives, and God said, I designed for you to do good things long before you ever showed up. And we're sitting here and all we can think of is all the things we have done. But let me tell you what God's thinking about today. All of the good things he has in store for you to do. That's where he's thinking. That's where his heart's going. Your heart is probably going the opposite direction. Your heart today naturally is thinking about the failures, the inadequacies, the imperfections, the missed opportunities. I should have taken more risk. I'm older in life. I should have taken more risk. I should have been more generous. My failures of this past weekend, our mind tends to go backwards and look at what is all wrong or why we can't or we, we tend to destroy ourselves. And God's sitting here today and he's looking forward and he's going, look, let me tell you what I'm focused on. Helping you see every good thing I, I set in motion for you long before you ever showed up on this earth. I'm still the champion of those things. And that's who God is today. So we got to stop looking backwards. We got to get on God's team and start looking forward with him. That means we got to start surrendering the memories of our imperfections. And this morning is the place you bring them. This morning at all of our campuses, you bring the memories of your imperfections to the altar and you lay them down today. And you walk away from them. And you stop letting the person that you walked away from still control you today because you still allow their words to echo in your head. And you walk away today from the failures of the past so that you can accomplish the, the successes of the good things in the future. And you bring those memories and you lay them down at the altar. And you say, God, I surrender those to you. And then a week from now when they start to rise back up, you surrender them again. And a month from now when they start to rise back up and tell you why you can't do anything, you surrender them again. 
Because God keeps looking for the good things in the future. That's where he is. This is what an, a former president of ours, uh, Ronald Reagan, he, he learned this after his attempted assassination. It was back on March 30th of 1981. How many of you guys remember 1981? Okay. Does it seem for some of you like yesterday? We just, we just remembered that that happened 40 years ago. John Hinckley Jr. whips out a pistol, breaks through this small crowd where he's kind of, you know, hiding with and kind of disguising himself with some reporters. And it's at the Hilton Hotel in Washington, D.C., and the president has just got done speaking, and he comes out with his entourage. And John Hinckley Jr. is trying to get the attention of another actress in Hollywood. And he's like, if I shoot the president, she'll definitely love me. Crazy. But in 1.7 seconds, he whips his pistol out, and he whips out six rounds. Boom, 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 boom. Six rounds in 1.7 seconds. The first one, it hits the White House press secretary, James Brady. Hits him in the head, drops him to the ground. Why? Because these particular bullets that he was using had this explosive charge in them that when they entered, when they punctured, they blew. They blew up. And the bullet goes into his head and it blows up. Still, he still survived, but it was never the same again. The second bullet, it hits a police officer, Thomas Delante. Hits him in the back of the neck, ricochets off of his spinal cord. He drops to the ground. Now, two people are on the ground bleeding from bullet one and two in a split, split moment of a second. At that very moment, you see in the video that a, a, a Secret Service officer, by, a agent by the name of Tim McCarthy, he recognizes where the sound's coming from, and he spins towards the sound, and he makes his frame larger to draw attention to himself, and the third bullet goes into his abdomen. All three of those guys live, while the other Secret Service agents are trying to rush the president into the limousine. The president is thankfully blocked by the door of the limousine between him and the, and the, the suspect shooter, right? And they're pushing him into the limousine. Rounds four and five miss high, right? Thankfully, because it could have hit him in the head. But they took him into the limousine. Round six, the last one that he has, ricochets off the bullet, the bullet uh, plating car, ricochets in such a way that it hits Ronald Reagan in the chest and goes underneath his left armpit, goes into his lung and lodges itself less than an inch from his heart. When they discover this, because at first they didn't know, but when they discover it because blood's coming out of his mouth, they rush him to the hospital, an emergency surgery goes down, and right before, it's all written in history, right before the anesthesiologist applies the anesthesia to put him under for the, the surgery, Ronald Reagan has the frame of mind to say this, I hope all of you guys are Republicans. <laughs> Boom, put him under. The, the surgeon is reported to have said that day, today we are. Under he goes. Weeks later, he writes in his diary, whatever happens now, I owe my life to God. I'll try to serve him in every way I can. It was like a man that said, it's not going to be about the past. It's going to be about the future. It's not going to be about my failures. It's not going to be about the things that I missed, the opportunities I missed. It's going to be 
about the future. I, I can't control the past anymore, but I can control where I'm going in the future, right? Whatever happens now, I owe my life to God, and I'll try to serve him in every way I can. Can we just say this together, all of us that are listening right now, that we just draw a line of demarcation in the sand of our life right now today, and we go, look, the past is the past. All I can do about the past is repent and ask for forgiveness, okay? That's what I can do, but I can control the future. So let's start focusing on doing the good things that are in the future. So what would that really look like? Well, first, you, gotta re- you always have to remember that you're not the one that creates the masterpiece. God creates the masterpiece. So it's not about what you can do to gain God's favor or God's attention. God's already created you as a masterpiece. Our job is just to do the good things that he created for us to do. So follow this simple instruction found in 1 Peter 4. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. God's given you a gift. And whatever that gift is, we're supposed to use it well to serve one another. What I love about this passage, though, is that it goes on and it gives us a couple of examples. And the first one, it talks about a very public gift, the gift of speaking. It says, look, if you've got the gift of speaking, then speak as if God were speaking through you. This is what I'm attempting to do today, right? I'm attempting to bring my gift to God, and I'm asking God, would you speak through me so that your people have a message of life that they can go out and apply to their life and actually see it produce some good fruit. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to say, God, if I just share what I think is good to share, it's just going to be a talk. But if you speak through me, it will be life-giving. So I'm bringing my gift to God. Now, you might sit there and go, well, I don't have a public gift like that. I'm not a musician. I don't sing. I do, but no one wants to listen. I, I, you know, speaking, like you're not, I'm not the speaker, right? I just don't have those kind of public gifts. Well, here's what I love about the passage, because right after that, it says these words. Do you have the gift of helping others? Now think about that for a second. You know what I think? I think it could be better said. It could be better said this way. Who doesn't have the gift of helping others? Everybody has the gift of helping others. In what ways can we help others? Well, there's all kinds of ways you can help people. I mean, think about the, the, the needs of a neighbor and help them, right? Just simply holding the door for someone could be helping somebody. I had to go to the bank this week, and I don't like going to the bank. I like people at the bank. Don't get me wrong. So if you work at a bank, I like you, generally. But I don't like to go to the bank, okay, if I don't have to. I got other things I want to do. If it's online banking, I'm all in. In-person banking, I'm, I don't really want to go. But I had to go because we had to send this wire transfer for a kingdom builder deal down in Honduras. And the money had to get there. And so I, I went down to the bank. Well, I get out of my car and I only got a short window. And I got somebody meeting me back here at the church. So I got to get back here. So this thing's got to like, it's got to go, right? I got to find people to help me. And so I get out of my car. And lo and behold, at the bank, all the time I choose to go down there, Right as I pull in, another person pulls in, they get out of their car before me, and they're walking towards the door. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I got to beat you. <laughs> this is one of those, I got to get there before you do, right? And this elderly lady, I ran past her. <laughs> it's a true story. I ran, I ran past her for a different reason. That was my first, my initial thought was, got to beat that lady in the door but right on the heels of that was the right thought go hold the door for that lady 
It's a good thing you can do. And I run up there, and I grab the door of the bank, and it's a big door, you know, it's a two-hander. And I, I open it up, and she goes, oh, thank you, thank you. I think she said young man, and that's when I was like, you can have my heart. Like, like, and so I, I get into the airlock, and I go, ma'am, I got the next door for you. And I open the next door, and then you know, you know what's happening next, right? She's the first to the counter. But that was on purpose. Because I, I needed to do something good at that very moment. I, I just, I tell that because, A, it's funny, and it's the truth. It's the honest God truth. But I, I wanted you to feel like something so simple could be so big. That God has just called us to do good things. Some of us, we, we kind of like, we want this, like, moment where the clouds open up and God speaks to us and this is your purpose on earth this is your meaning this is your plan and the whole time I think what God's looking for out of our lives is for us is to start just doing the good things that he's gifted us to do before we ever walked on this earth and if you're faithful with the good things like that then guess what he gives us he gives us more and giving us more could be more responsibility but it also could be more clarity on the plan. So you want, you want more clarity on God's big purpose and plan maybe for your life? Then be faithful with the little things. Because that's all God's looking for. A faithful heart and a willing heart. Period. That's what he's looking for. So today, what's our first motion? Our first move towards God is this. Right? Your, your masterpiece, your life is like a seed. And unless that seed drops to the ground and it dies then it can never give birth to its full purpose. So your life's like a masterpiece, like a seed, and you got to bring it to the Lord today, lay it down, and let him resurrect it to do good things that he planned for you before the beginning of the time that he's still focused on, and start walking out that plan with him. And the only way that happens is being by, rescued by the grace of Jesus Christ. So today, as we come into this moment of worship, can we just bring our lives to Jesus, all of us in this place, and just simply say to him, thank you for rescuing my, me uh, you know, by grace to, for a purpose, right? And I lay down my masterpiece. I lay down my life to you, and may today, may you resurrect it so that when I walk out of these doors, I walk out of these doors fulfilling your purpose in your strength and in your energy. That's what the scripture said to us, that we do good things Use them well to serve one another, but we do them out of his strength and out of his energy. That's how we accomplish it. It's not out of our own. It's out of his. So today we lay our life down. Jesus, resurrect us. So stand with me. Let me pray for you. Jesus, resurrect our lives today so that we can be rescued for your purpose to go and to do good things one to another that both loves you, obeys you, and serves you. And they're the plans that you gave to us before we ever showed up on this earth. Lord, thank you that you're focused on our future. And you're, you're wanting to release us from the penalty of our past. You want to rescue us from the penalty of our past. You already paid the price on the cross for our sin. And if we will repent, we are free. Wiped away like a like a scratch on a wall, like a marker on a wall, wiped away for, for the purpose of us doing good things in your name, one to another. Lord, it's really that simple. 
So may we come underneath the umbrella of your grace today. And may you coat this church one more time in in a coating of your grace that allows us to really truly know who you are so that we can live out your purpose on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen.